Hi, thanks for downloading the next chapter of The Butcher. I just wanted to let you know that if you want to buy the full audiobook at a discounted price, you can head over to nathanburrows.com forward slash audio. Alternatively, you can buy a full price copy at any audiobook store. The Butcher is also available on Kindle Unlimited, ebook and print format, all via Amazon. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy the story. Chapter 2 Two months earlier Emily Underwood sat in the driver's seat of a little red mini and tapped at her laptop keyboard. With a couple of clicks on the trackpad, she brought up the previous health inspection of the Chinese takeaway that she had come to inspect. With a glance across at the closed takeaway, she pushed her seat back to give herself more room and started reading. What she read wasn't pleasant at all. Since qualifying as an environmental health inspector three months ago, Emily had gone on five visits, all to establishments like this one, eateries with track records of less than ideal conditions behind the public areas. This visit was going to be different though. It was the first one she would be doing on her own. Her five mentored visits had all gone well and her boss, Mr Clayton, had signed her off as competent. So now she was on her own. With a carefully trimmed fingernail, she tapped at the trackpad again to read the next page of the report. It didn't pay to have long fingernails in this business. The Chinese takeaway she was sitting outside was called the Wong Wei. Whether this was an unsuccessful attempt at irony, or just a reflection of the fact it was run by an elderly chap called Mr Wong, Emily didn't know, and didn't care. One thing she did know was that the takeaway was almost shut down after the last inspection. It was safe to say that Emily wouldn't be eating from the place any time soon. Emily looked up as she heard a noise from the takeaway, just in time to see the sign on the door flip from closed to open. A young Chinese woman twisted at the lock and pulled the jaw ajar a couple of inches. This was it, Emily thought. Showtime. She got out of the car, closing the laptop screen and shoving the computer under the passenger seat of her car. Norwich wasn't a particularly crime-ridden city, but the takeaway was on the edge of one of the less well-off council estates in the city. Emily grabbed a briefcase from the rear seat, smoothing her short blonde hair back behind her ears, and got out of the car. She took a deep breath, straightening out some of the creases on her trousers. The Environment Agency didn't have an official uniform, so she was wearing the unofficial uniform. A trouser suit, one of three she now owned. Today Emily was wearing her navy blue one. The advantage was they were practical, especially on farm visits. Emily could tuck the trouser legs into a pair of wellies with no problem at all. The downside, at least according to her flatmate Catherine, was that they made her look like a lesbian. As she walked towards the front door of the takeaway, Emily could feel her heart fluttering, just a tiny bit in her chest. It wasn't really nerves, more the fact that she was about to do her first solo inspection. Emily pushed the door open and stepped into the waiting area, a tinkling bell above the door announcing her arrival. While she waited for someone to come out of the kitchen area, she looked around the waiting room, taking in the musty smell of old Chinese food. It smelt like her ex-boyfriend's flat on a Sunday morning, but his flat also had added odours of spilt beer, sweat and, very occasionally, sex. There were many reasons why he was now an ex-boyfriend, but housekeeping 
and personal hygiene, or rather the distinct lack of both, have been the key ones. A budding health inspector like Emily had no place being with an absolute slob like that, no matter how good-looking he was. At least, that was what her friends had told her at the time. If Emily had realised how difficult it was meeting a nice young man in Norfolk, she wouldn't have been as a hasty in getting rid of him. But what was done was done. On the walls of the waiting room was the obligatory dragon wallpaper, adorned with rice paper calendars advertising the Wong Wei restaurant. It was, according to the calendars at least, a taste of the Orient in Norfolk. Set into one of the walls was a fish tank, filled with murky green water. Emily took a step towards it, peering into the gloom. When a large fish appeared out of nowhere and startled her with its unblinking eyes, she jumped. Laughing, she took a step back. As she did so, the door behind the counter opened and a young woman walked through. She was just as slim as Emily, shorter than her by a couple of inches, and had jet black hair cut into a similar bob style. The two women stared at each other for a few seconds. Emily smiled, trying to get the girl to relax. Hello, Emily said, broadening her smile. The Chinese girl didn't smile back, but continued to stare at her. After a few more seconds of silence, Emily continued. Do you speak English? The girl finally stirred into life. Yes, I speak it pretty well, all things considered, she replied, the Norfolk accent obvious even to Emily, who tried to hide her surprise. Oh, OK, Emily said, scrabbling in her pocket for her identification card. Good stuff. My name's Emily Underwood. I work for the... I know who you work for, the girl interrupted, raising her eyebrows. The Environment Agency. Emily felt her mouth open an inch before closing it again. How do you know that? Emily asked. It's obvious. You've got that look. All prim and proper like butter wouldn't melt, when in reality all you do is go around wrecking people's livelihoods. Well, that's not strictly speaking true. Emily started to defend herself, but when she saw the look on the girl's face and her tightly folded arms, decided against it. She got her notebook out of her briefcase instead. What's your name, please? I need it for the report. Wang. Thanks. And your last name? Wong. As Emily wrote down Wang Wong down in her notebook, she had to press her lips together to stop any trace of a smile from appearing. She glanced up at the young woman, whose lips were equally as compressed. My middle name's Fang. Emily felt the corners of her mouth start to twitch as she said, Wang Fang Wong in her head. And to her surprise, she saw Wang suppressing a smile as well. It's not as bad as my brother, she continued. He's also called Wang, but his middle name's Wee. Could only be worse if it was the other way round, Wang paused. Because then you'd be Wong Wee. Wang's face broke into a broad smile and Emily grinned back. This wasn't turning out how she thought it would. Wang took a couple of steps towards Emily and lowered her voice. Look, I'm sorry for being stroppy, but... I know my grandfather's going to be in a right old mood for the rest of the evening, what with you visiting. Hearing Wang use a colloquial Norfolk phrase, right old mood, appealed to Emily's sense of humour, and she started laughing. No, that's fine. I get we're not often that popular, Emily said. 
but after the last inspection, she let their sentence hang. Yeah, I know. I've tried to talk to Grandad, but he's quite stubborn. His shop, his ways. I'm only helping out here because he doesn't speak English and Gran's not well. Emily remembered the grandmother described as a translator from the report. Oh dear, I hope she gets better soon, Emily said, smiling with what she hoped was a sympathetic expression. Come on, let's get it done. But I warn you, you're probably not going to like it, Wang said, a smile fading as she turned away and walked back towards the kitchen door. An hour later, Emily was sitting back in a mini with her mobile phone pressed against her ear. Mr Clayton, it's desperate in there, she said. If anything, it's worse than the last visit. Her manager's disembodied voice echoed down the line. How do you mean? he said. Well, the food storage is still all over the place. The top shelf is seafood, all types of it, prawns, fish, something else that smells like it was in the sea at some point. Next shelf down is what I think might be beef, but it's difficult to tell. Emily flipped the pages of her notebook. And on the bottom shelf is something that I can only really describe as something that's almost pink, but tinged with blue. None of it's refrigerated. Well, that's an offence right there. There's more, Emily continued. Mice droppings everywhere, open bags of dried noodles and rice on the floor, and there's a bunch of eggs in a bucket, and something's died in there. Something? The incredulity in her boss's voice was obvious. What sort of something? I think one of them might have hatched. There was silence at the other end of the line before her manager went on. What's going on with the disabled toilet? In the last report it was blocked. Emily could hear the paper rustling as he paged through the report. Well, it's not blocked now, but it's not a disabled toilet anymore, Emily replied. It's been uh, converted. Into what? A bedroom. There's a bunk bed in there now. I mean, it's still a toilet, but it's now one with people living in it. Sweet Jesus. Emily's boss breathed down the line. I spoke to the poor girl working there, and her grandfather won't do anything about it. He says that only Chinese people eat there, so it doesn't matter. OK, Emily's boss said. She could hear the resignation in his voice. We're going to have to close them down. I'll get a team out to you to give them the good news. No, it's OK, Mr Clayton. I can manage it. There's only the young woman helping out, and her grandfather's here. I got on fine with her. And he's quite elderly, Emily said. She was desperate to finish this job off and didn't want Mr Clayton to think that she couldn't cope with a simple closure notice. I'll say we're just closing it for the evening and that we'll be back tomorrow to help them get sorted out. They won't know it'll lead to a prosecution. Mr Clayton wasn't at all convinced, but Emily managed to talk him round. Any problems at all, you just let me know, Emily, OK? He said. Sure, no problem. I'll have the report for you in the morning. After saying goodbye to her boss, Emily got back out of her car, just as another car pulled into the car park. A man in his forties and a small child of about nine or ten got out and started walking towards the takeaway. Sorry, excuse me, Emily called out after the man. He turned to face her. I'm afraid the Chinese is closed for the evening. No, it's not, 
The man replied, pointing to the sign on the door. Look, it's still open. Well, it won't be in a couple of minutes' time. Emily showed the man her environment agency identification card. Trust me. The man's face paled as he shepherded his son back to the car. So, I'm afraid we're going to have to ask you to close the takeaway for the evening, Mr Wong. Emily looked at the elderly Chinese man standing on the other side of the counter and waited for Wang to translate. As Wang finished speaking, Mr Wong shook his head from side to side. He spoke in rapid Mandarin, his anger obvious. He says that this will not be possible, not tonight or any night, Wang said. Emily looked at her, not wanting to come across as pleading. Could you tell him that this isn't something we're asking him to do? Wang started translating, and Emily added, It's something we're telling him to do. When Wang had finished speaking, Mr Wong looked at Emily, his eyes almost completely closed. He whispered at Emily what sounded like the words, Gun Dan, turned on his heel and marched back into the kitchen. What did you say? Emily asked Wang. Never mind, you might want to think about leaving, Wang called back over her shoulder as she followed her grandfather into the kitchen. Emily listened as they argued behind the closed door, Mr Wong's voice becoming louder and louder. When she heard pots and pans banging together, Emily took a step towards the takeaway entrance. The clashing of metal got even louder, and when Wang joined in with the shouting, Emily turned and unlocked her car through the window with the remote. Maybe it was time to admit to Mr Clayton that this wasn't something she could deal with after all. Her suspicions were confirmed when Mr Wong came bursting back through the kitchen door. Emily took one look at the huge machete in the elderly man's hand and sprinted towards the door. Shit, 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 she said, heart pounding as she struggled with the door. Push, not pull. Fail. She managed to fall through the door just as Mr Wong rounded the counter, waving the machete above his head and screaming at her in rapid Mandarin. Emily couldn't understand a word of it, but it was obvious he wasn't being friendly. The little old man was a lot quicker than he looked, and Wang's desperate attempts to hold him back weren't working. He was gaining on her fast as they both ran across the car park. Emily got to the car, threw open the door, and got the keys in the ignition with the second attempt of her trembling hands. As she left two streaks of rubber on the Chinese takeaway's car park, Emily started laughing, partly out of fear, but mostly out of relief. That was something that she was going to have to leave out of her final report to Mr Clayton. She slapped her hand on the steering wheel. She was still full of adrenaline, but as she looked in the rear-view mirror at the receding Mr Wong, she started laughing, much louder than she normally did. Chicken chow mein, she shouted at the top of her voice. Pork balls! Hi again, Nathan Burrows here. Thanks for listening. Just a quick reminder, if you're interested in buying the full audiobook, head to nathanburrows.com forward slash audio or any audiobook store.